Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk EU podcast. This podcast is a continuing series on EU regulation, but also on current topics of interest in the EU sphere and whether that is at the national level bringing it up to the EU or the EU versus the rest of the world. And we have done podcasts on the geopolitical, the sense of where the EU is going. We have looked at corporate governance, and we will be looking at this in the future as well. We have looked at MIFID, which is a piece of regulation that is impacting very highly on investor protection issues. And today we're also looking at investor protection issues, namely looking at commissions and otherwise named elsewhere as inducements. My name is Josina Kamening. I'm Head of Regulatory Outreach of Queen EMEA for the CFA Institute, and I have been doing this for the last 10 years. It's been my great pleasure. And I have to tell you that over the last 10 years, the subject of inducements has never stopped. When I joined CFA Institute, my very first piece of research concerned inducements. And we then looked at a ban that had happened in the UK in 2011. And there was a first sense already of what the impact might be on investors. And there was also a ban in the Netherlands, which happened in 2013. Now, these two bans have had now had more than 10 years in the making. And there is a sense of at one time there, there is more transparency. But there's also a sense that our investors left without advice. And when we look at issues such as gamification, which for which CFA Institute has also published a study and which I would recommend my listeners to go and look up on the CFA Institute website, gamification is introducing a whole new concept. We're playing with online investments. Do we fully know the consequences? As with cryptocurrencies, do we know the consequences when we as retail investors invest? But again, you know, when you look at in retail investors throughout the EU, and this is my focus for this podcast, commissions are very intransparent. We have not been able to achieve with all the batch of regulations that's been coming over the last 20 years, following on from that famous financial services action plan in the year 2000. We have just not been able to achieve that transparency and um, to explain properly to investors what these commissions mean. Even I, myself, when I look at my funds and when I look at my pensions, I don't truly understand what all the commissions mean. And I am a financial services professional. So as from January, but also even before, Commissioner Marave McGuinness has been announcing that the commission is looking at a possible ban on inducements, which has created quite a wave of new debates on the on on the subject within the European Union, with some member states highlighting the complexity of banning inducements because of market structure, because of in-house in-house sales, because of banks tied uh, in a vertical structure. Again, the European Union is trying to build a capital markets union (CMU), and we've had two action plans on this, and we're trying to build a common market for investors to move around. But it's very difficult when the market models are very different per member state. And this creates the complexity. And this, I think, is something that CFA Institute in our recent global survey highlights. 
we did a global survey following up from our 2013 study. And again, I would advise listeners to go and look at our 2013 study, which is still on the website. In that study in 2013, we already said, well, we're not really in favor of going for a full ban. We're really in favor for total transparency and being able to explain the commissions so that the investor does understand what he is paying for. Now, this is a very difficult subject because it also touches on financial literacy. It touches on sophisticated investors versus non-sophisticated investors. Um, and there are all sorts of concerns with this. Put into that also that in these last 10 years, um, ESMA, the European Securities Authority, has done a very, very good job in, in supervising and through their Q&As, building more understanding on transparency, on common supervisory merger of looking at um, retail investors. But it's it's not enough. So in the first quarter, and I hope by April, we'll have the new EU retail strategy, which I hope will dig into the complexity of what we're facing on commissions. But as I said, it is incredibly difficult to to see what a full ban might do. And probably we need to build in stages. This is something that our survey highlights. Again, it's also something that was thrown up into the commission research study, which came out in the late 2022 on whether a ban on inducements would be, would be advisable. Again, we need to handle this, I think, with a pragmatic approach where we look at the EU and say, well, there are groups of countries that have a different market structure. And how can we build up? We know that the German insurance industry has a, a, a very complex system of commissions tied structure. And you, first of all, would have to unwind that structure before you could come to a ban on inducements. So it is not just by saying we ban inducements that we're going to achieve what we want, namely further transparency and fairness for retail investors. Now, for example, in the US, the, the, the discussion is more on payment for order flow, which is allowed, but the SEC is exploring whether the current system is allowing and encouraging conflicts of interest. Again, for the moment, the SEC is not seeming to consider a prohibition of commission payments. But in APAC and the Asia Pacific re region, Australia and India are the two main jurisdictions in which the practice of commission payments is forbidden. Hong Kong and Singapore have put into work systems where fee transparency and potential disclosure of, of conflicts of interest is mandatory. Again, you know, we see the differences globally. And I think this study that we're publishing on our website on inducements with a survey, with the global survey of our members, will allow you to to see the complexity of the debate and that it is much more, much deeper and much more complex than we, we all think it is. Now, as to the results of the survey. So the 2022 survey sees that the current remuneration structures in place at distributors are the main cause of mis-selling practices. Linking remuneration to the sale of specific financial instruments or their sales volume does not encourage distributors to provide services in the client's best interest. And I think that is really a key, key issue. The two most desirable regulatory reforms to address this mishandling issue are to mandate clearer and full disclosures of all commissions and fees paid and to provide product information 
including cost structure to clients. Now, cost structure is important because it it highlights where the commissions will go so the client can understand where the influence can come from. As to the percentages of our members that see this, now in APAC, 52% and in NIA, 56%, there is a, a, our members clearly see a need for an increased initiative on financial literacy and financial education for retail investors as another important measure against mis-selling. And again, in the EU, but I would say globally, the European Commission is, is coming closer to the OECD on the issue of financial literacy. IOSCO, the International Association of Securities Regulators, is also focusing on financial literacy as a key issue. So we know that that is part of the, the problem, but we cannot put the onus totally on financial education. You cannot educate a retail investor to understand absolutely everything. Just like a patient, when it goes and sees its doctor, they cannot understand all the nitty gritty of the different pills and prescriptions we get. We trust the doctor and we have to because the world is complex and ever more complex. Yes, of course, we go online to look at some easy, I know how to buy an aspirin. By now, I do understand what an aspirin can do for me. But beyond that, if I am suffering from something more serious, I cannot. The same thing with an investment. A very basic deposit, probably, you can go online and compare remuneration. But if you go into a slightly more complex product or even a fund or even something um, that is, you know, a very simple derivative, you, you do need to have some slight understanding about the risks and rewards and understand what the risks are for you. Very often in my long career, I see that, of course, advisors will push the reward far more than the risk. And we've had this discussion, of course, with PRIPS, where we had very many issues when in the first version of PRIPS past performance was not allowed. And of course, you have to be able to understand what uh, the product has done in the past or if there is no past performance. However, now we have achieved some sort of measure of comparability on past performance, although it's not, of course, included in, in the PRIPS document. But again, it shows you the complexity that we we need to compare apples with apples and pears with pears. And this is part of that debate of inducements. To come back to the ban or not ban, a complete ban on to on inducements paid to financial advisors is not seen as a solution globally. But of course, there are differences. A plurality of our members think that such a measure could have a negative impact on the variety of products offered to clients. And again, this is important because as we globalize the possibility for investors to go out and get products elsewhere, we, we, we do need to have some sort of measure and advice. A recent trust study that we did at CFA Institute highlighted also the difficulties for retail investors when we look at different generational opinions. So baby boomers typically would go to an advisor, a physical advisor. But the younger generations, Generation Z, um, actually might even go outside financial services for financial products. They might go to buy a financial product with Alibaba. They might listen to Kim Kardashian, who touts cryptocurrency. Because, well, we know Kim Kardashian. Why shouldn't we trust her on, on crypto? Again, yeah, these are the challenges of the new world. 
financial services are no longer the only providers. So we do need to get a framework where we see who is selling what and for the investor to understand that and also to understand when he's paying a commission, he is getting true advice. Just like you go to your doctor, I pay my doctor to get medical advice. Of course I pay her, she needs to live, but she does give me unbiased advice and I have to trust that. In the same measure, a financial advisor should be seen as a doctor for your financial health. And that is important. We have still not managed to put that financial advisor in that equivalent of doctor. Why? Because in that famous triangle where we look at uh, how we look at retail investors, we look at product governance, we look at fiduciary responsibility of financial education, the fiduciary responsibility is lagging behind this focus of product governance and financial literacy. The triangle only works if it's a well-balanced triangle. Financial literacy is key, yes, but it's not going to solve the issue because more and more complex products are coming along and you can do so much, but not more. Again, product governance, yes, it can do a lot. It can help advice on saying, well, should Kim Kardashian sell cryptocurrencies? Probably not, unless she's become a financial advisor. Again, fiduciary responsibility, a key issue. Ethical constraints, you need to be responsible as a financial advisor. You need to have that sense of responsibility. A CFA Institute, our members, do a yearly exam on ethics, where they're supposed to be clearly aware of the ethics code of CFA Institute, which puts the client before everything else and to be responsible, just like a doctor would. And I do keep coming back to that image because I think it's important for us to see that financial health is as important in our future as physical health. It's part of that life cycle, that balance sheet of life that I say very often is important when we look at retail investors. So again, going back to our survey, the majority of respondents in the UK, where this ban has existed now for over 10 years, um, and that is 56% of our respondents in the UK, do believe that a prohibition on inducements could, may, could bring positive market developments. Now, that is interesting. You say, well, that might be completely different to what you've just been saying. No, it isn't. Why? A, the UK is a more sophisticated market. It's a very liquid market. It's always been way ahead of the rest of Europe in terms of investors looking at products, investments, going online. Investors went online way before they went in the rest of Europe. And again, I think there we, we see that there, there could be a positive shift when you have a ban on inducements. If that market is liquid enough, if the structure of the market supports such a ban. So again, that brings me back to my very first premise in this discussion, in this podcast is that you need to look at the market structure and you need to see, can the market structure cope with a ban on inducements? The whole structure in a national member state in the EU is still very national and not, not based on an EU-wide system. And I think this is, this is where the problems lie. There is concern about the lack of product diversity, and that is something that both that is said in the UK as well. But again, it could be something that could be remedied by bringing about other, other suggestions. However, I would say that our members 
really do come back to that educational part and that fiduciary responsibility. And I think this is something I also took on a work that we did back in 2020 with Better Finance, the Association of um, uh, Shareholders and Financial Investors in the EU. CFA Institute and Better Finance joint work on responsibility to, to retail clients and fiduciary responsibility. And it was clear that both our organizations, remember CFA Institute is composed of finance professionals, which are financial advisor, financial analysts, portfolio managers, etc. And Better Finance is retail investors. Both our organizations found that the fiduciary responsibility of a financial advisor and financial literacy was key in bringing about a change and more clarity to the financial system and putting the financial system and its financial products at the heart of where consumers want it. We need a good, well-functioning financial services industry that can help in this very complex world where it is very difficult to know how to manage in 20 years' time our financial needs. As I said, financial investors, retail and, and consumers, they need to think about their financial health as a balance sheet. They have ins and outs. We have mortgages that go for 20 years. We also need to put against that then what we have as income and put it away on a deposit or invest in it for an equivalent long time period. We're not thinking like that yet, and we're not advising like that yet. We're not putting all the financial eggs in one basket. It's very difficult to do that, but we need to. We need to think in 10 years' time, maybe I need some funds available to have money enough for, for my children to go to university. So I have a time horizon of 10 years. Maybe we need to think of that. We need to think of our health. Do I have health issues that I need to be more careful in the way I'm planning my financial future. All of this is important in this discussion on inducements. So I would say in conclusion, we at CFA Institute see that a ban on inducements can work, but in very sophisticated markets, very liquid markets, markets that are far advanced, and where perhaps the financial literacy of the investor is more advanced than in in some of the in some of the countries we have seen around the world investors do often very often fail to understand just how much they are paying advisors whether and whether they're operating under a commission or a flat fee structure so greater transparency and more investor education is going to help enormously but again also authorities regulatory authorities and governments need to look at the structure of financial markets in their country and see if it is appropriate for moving to this ban on inducements and what are the safeguards in place for investors. Again, of course, I'm sorry to say there are no immediate conclusions, but we hope that this survey can provide greater clarity and comparison by looking at the different countries across the world where there are some are more sophisticated and others less, some are tied structures and others not whether that can help regulators as they sit down to discuss a ban on inducements or not, and especially as this is running in the EU. So thank you very much for listening to this. The next podcast will be on sustainability for boards and other corporate governance issues with Barneen van der Meermoor, a Dutch independent board director who is um, in the supervisory boards 
of uh, very important companies, whether they be insurance companies, asset management firms, or retail distributors. And so I look forward very much to that conversation with her in the next couple of weeks. You have been listening to Let's Talk You, and I look forward to you going to our website and finding out all these different studies I have told you about in this podcast. Thank you very much. (music) 